Hail fellow, well met. I'm Mouse, and this is a podcast about characters at play and the players who create them. This week's guest is Guttormer Bjornsteinsson, a librarian, history student, role player, and game master. Welcome to the show, Ormer, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. Icelandic is not my first language. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's okay. It's a decent first try. <laughs> so, Ormer, t- yeah. tell me about your character. Yes, okay. So, um, the character, uh, I, I actually was thinking about which which of my many roleplay characters I should take, but I, I just selected the one I've, I've played for the longest time, since probably 2009 or eight. And his name is uh, Karra de Capet, and he's a sort of a, a roguish mage, uh, at least, you know, the mechanics. He's in... Uh, 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 the system we're playing is uh, D&D 3.5, Dungeons & Dragons. And, you know, it's a very kind of a mechanics-heavy system, so I guess the character sort of, you know, the trap you always get in is like, you know, you you, you make your character uh, like a collection of classes and, and prestige classes and, and, and feats and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, he's uh, yeah he he can you know do magic and he can fight with a a, a sword, rapier. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, kind of the. I can see um, how that would be useful. Yeah, uh, he's uh, yeah. Also, he's probably not. Well, he's also I think like by by the you know at the point where we are now in the campaign, which has been ongoing for a very long time. But uh, you know we, we don't really play. As often as we'd like, though, uh, I think his sort of biggest uh, purpose in the group is just being the you know the face, the social, you know the kind of or, or even the leader. Like he doesn't really, you know, his his battle skills really aren't the best of of the group. So so he, he kind of mostly, you know, he, he does some you know support when when he you know makes sure that. You know the the group is presentable. Uh, yeah, that's interesting, and that's often my favorite part of the game: the moments that happen outside of combat, or or where you have to interact socially with an NPC. And if you have a game master and you don't know what's going on in their head, you don't know what that character is going to want from you, or what's going to please them, or what's going to irritate them. Just like in real life. Yeah, I think I like um, because you know sometimes in in those you know Dungeon Dragons campaigns you know it, it it just boils down to like one fight after another. But but you know I I I personally want a lot more out of the you know game. I want to interact with interesting NPCs and interesting fellow characters and so and 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 I think it's it's actually been a very you know even if the if the fights do drag out because of the, you know, the horrible, like, the rather, you know, the intricate and, and Byzantine characters, especially now at the high levels. Uh, there, there have been some very nice, you know, role-playing moments. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, maybe I should guess, I, I think I should maybe, you know, I've been talking about the mechanics and the game, but maybe I should also, you know, talk about his personality <laughs> and background. Yeah, what's his, what's his story? He is um, at least in the beginning of the campaign. He uh, he comes from a very lowly background. He's not he's not you know well bred. 
but uh, he has those, you know, aspirations. He wants to be, you know, a serf or, uh, or, and, and the thing that he does is he just pretends that he is. So he's basically, he's a, he's a con artist <laughs> or, you know, it's, a, it's a, I, I think I kind of, you know, you have, you, I didn't really want to make sort of a, like a wish fulfillment character, you know, a, a, a Mary Sue or Stew or something. So I just figured like, you know, maybe I want to, you know, maybe if, maybe I would like to, you know, play or be a kind of a aristocrat or something very <laughs> suave and something. But, but I, I felt kind of uncomfortable, uncom- you know, being, you know, just, just make, presenting this ideal character. So I just thought, yeah, okay, my character also wants that, but really he isn't. Uh, his uh, mother is uh, uh, an escort or a sex worker, and, and so uh, he, or actually a big part of the background of the character is, is was you know, collaborative between me and the adventure master, uh, including that part. But, you know, he, he comes from this rather, you know, not not very fancy background then and so he just pretends to be another person he can he can use his illusions and social kill skills to help him with that interesting and, uh, yeah he he may have the the charm and the skills and the talent but what he lacks is the title it's a piece of paper exactly and and you know he's and and he, I, the start of the campaign the, is that you know he's basically on the run after having been found out so so that's why he joins the the group to begin with. Fascinating. Have you seen the the movie A Knight's Tale starring Heath Ledger? Oh yeah, I saw it like uh, when it came out <laughs> or something <laughs> like fifteen years ago. I don't know. It might still it might still be good. I haven't watched it in about <laughs> ten years, but fascinated that you, that you brought up wish fulfillment and sort of a bleed from your personality into the game. Because I, I guess you're you're somewhat of a, a, a modest socialist type person <laughs> from our interactions. So having a character with aristocratic aims is is interesting. Yeah, I think this is kind of like it's it's uh, it's a bit of like my secret shame that I'm <laughs> I'm really. When I when I go into this role play, you know, when I, when I can be anyone I like, I, I I kind of I'm I'm a little bit tempted to be just a lord, you know, to just be like dressed in those really like fancy clothing and be in kind of a high status individual that can influence people, you know. It, it's a little you know tempting, but it's I, I'm a little also a little bit too self conscious to just go for the whole way. I don't want to like let people know that this is just. You know, so so I'm like a character that that you know has this extra layer of of distancing from that. Yeah, that's it's always fascinating how the the characters we create kind of bleed into our into our real lives and kind of reflect can reflect our fantasies, but also our anxieties about you know our our, mm. our inner world. And I think that's a that's a that's a healthy thing. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with, especially in maybe a setting where. You know, it's nice if your character has less mites and ticks and lice in their hair and kind of generally a more comfortable life, which mm. I think we all want. And if you're, you know, lucky enough, get are kind of accustomed to 
yeah, he has, he was like I actually I conceived him from the beginning as being you know very fond of those you know luxuries that you know he if if he could could obtain them you know, I think it was sort of like the like his he's actually uh, he's very non-idealistic he doesn't really have any sort of higher ideals he just is is you know opportunist uh, he's not a, like a bad person you know he's not you know he doesn't kill people you know because he likes it or anything he tries to avoid that generally but you know his, his like his goals are mostly just to look out for himself and and improve his status and uh, so so he is not by any stretch a, you know a good or a perfect character of course all those characters always you know your character is always uh, influenced by the people you're playing with and you know and especially in my case the uh, dungeon master because you know he he really wanted to bring the characters into his world that he very intricately made for us so he sort of collaborated with each and every one of us to to like make the backstory that would fit both our ideas about the character and the the world that he had created so individually so, uh, he worked with you yeah, yeah with oh, me wow. and, and all the other characters and and it's i think it, that's a very um i think that's very it, successful really because you know it really brings it gives everyone sort of a stake in the world you know you 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 know, you may, may may create some character and you have some ideas about it. Then the, the dungeon master, you know, comes in and says, that could relate to those things in my world. And, and so he, like, he gives my character a mother <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> is an active NPC that, you know, I have to interact with and, and, and think about how my character would, you know, you know what would his relationship be with this, with this NPC, his... You know, that's his mother. And it's, uh, I, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think, it's, I, I think we've been very, um, fond of that approach, basically, especially since, you know, evidently since you're still playing the game for <laughs> all these years. <laughs> I really do like that idea of a dungeon master working with each of the players individually and to, um, build a more cohesive world, uh, so you can work as a group. When I've played Dungeons and Dragons type settings, I feel like the relationship between the players and the dungeon master can be adversarial. Mm. Or maybe the default is that the the game master is trying to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever That's... whichever even if in in benign conversations with non-player characters that is just an avenue down which I can turn where they, the dungeon master can kill me. <laughs> I think working to create a world with your players and working to create a story is extending maybe a, a, a small bond of trust mm. or not even necessarily an, an olive branch. But I think when, when the, when the relationship is not quite so, so one-sided between the player and the dungeon master i think that opens up more roads for creative play and maybe yeah. collaborative play with your with your dungeon master i think uh i like in our uh, group you know we are there is like this sort of like a core or like a mismatch of, of people that you know know each other that, that play a few games together and this is the, the biggest one 
and the only one that with that particular dungeon master, you know, running the game. But I think like um, many of like our fellow players are, are, I guess you'd call them power players, or you know, they're not. They're very focused on the the mechanics, like not necessarily to the detriment of their you know role playing, but but they are very you know they want to create effective characters. And so, even though, so I think our experience has often been that, uh, you know, maybe even the dungeon master is, because it's such a complex system, he is often really in a, almost an inferior position, you know, because, because you know, he can throw something at you, and the players just have, you know, you know, they work together to find all the answers to the possible strategies that the NPC is run by a, by one single person. Uh, so, I think I think the, the sort of perception in our group is not that the DM is trying to kill us, or or possibly that he is trying to kill us, but he's just not usually successful at it. <laughs> but I, th- I think we always have this trust that you know he is a neutral sort of arbiter. Like he makes he makes up encounters that we might trigger or or more often just run into heedlessly. Because you know, you know, you know, usually, um, things, you know, it's it's not uncommon that you know the, the the player characters make a very stupid decision, and and it's you know, I guess the dungeon must have should have some consequences for that. But uh, there have certainly been a lot of character deaths in this campaign. But oh dear! I I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it, it's it, you know it's not uh, you know it's it, it hasn't really been you know it, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous mission you know we're trying to save the world from a bunch of like zombie necromancers and and there have been some accidents where you know almost the whole party was killed because of some you know a rather too powerful monster and very unlucky roles but. Uh, but it, we, I think we're still always, you know, because because the DM really, he, you know, he he likes a lot of characters, and 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 it's often been the case that like some character dies, and and you know he, and we're sort of trying to see how we can save him. Like the DM is also like seeing if he, if he, you know, if there are some possible other roles that we could make to save himself. So, so I think, yeah, I, I, it hasn't really, even though the death rate can be quite high, it hasn't sort of frayed trust between between the dungeon master and, and player, at least not <laughs> in our group. Yeah, but it's still, it doesn't, it doesn't really get any easier, even though you know at the end of the day, like you can always just roll another character, mm. or even in in the 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 world of um, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons campaign that i'm running or not running but i'm playing in currently uh resurrection is a, is a common thing mm-hmm. and so and as as a player you can expect to be killed multiple times and be, and be brought back um but it still doesn't lessen the impact no and of, i i think yeah yeah this kind I of think extension I, uh, of your of yourself i've been playing for so long that you know i think you know we'd all be devastated if he if he died especially since the the dm you know 
he doesn't allow resurrection in his setting. So, uh, so that's a very, it's a very, you know, yeah, permanent thing if a character is is killed. And I, I, I don't, yeah. In fact, I think Karat is one of two two remaining original characters. Wow, and, so there's a lot a very, riding on him. Yeah, so he's sort of like, by now, he's he's almost the, sort of like uh, the lodestone of the of the campaign. You know, he, he is one of the original members of the party, so he has, you know, he's, he's I guess, like the, the the unofficial leader of the party, and and also just the, this connection to the, you know, original mission and everything. So, yeah, I, it, it, I think it would be, you know, a, a shock to me if he died. Yeah, and in his role as a leader, he doesn't just bring his experience in, in the points that he's accrued and in the stats, but sort of a generational experience. I mean, even if you're playing with the same character or the same, the same players, the same group, yeah. their characters are, are new. They haven't seen the things that he's seen, so... Yeah, exactly. That's an that's an interesting uh, play setting where you find yourself in the position of being kind of the old dog. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, and especially since he's and, and that's I think one of the interesting things is how his character has developed from this like unsuccessful con artist on the run that still you know like can only maintain the illusion that he's. Uh, like a, a noble because he's far away from from his home into because because you know the the importance of the group has grown so much since then and and you know, the the level is higher you know the power level and and you know the you know not by now we are having trouble thinking of new characters because because they have to be so important to the whole setting that you know where can you dig up like you have to, you have to basically take up someone that's like a leader of a religion or something. It's such a such a high level campaign by now. Oh wow! And, and so and so he's uh, he has really I think he's actually mostly he, I think he's sort of the way I thought about it that is he like attached his you know will his ambition to the group to the success of the group. And, and now that the group is important, like in, in politics and, and in saving the world, you know, being the leader of the group is, is sort of, even though it's, it's a selfishly motivated thing, he is, you know, trying to maintain it because he sees that as his sort of like way to, to get forward and to, to be noticed and get recognition. So, so I, this campaign has sort of turned him into a, into a very, <laughs> you know, a uh, responsible citizen. <laughs> because without that, he'd be back to square one. Mm. Uh, although uh, that's another thing about uh, the Dungeon Dragons uh, setting that's or the mechanics that makes everything a little bit complex or adds another sort of dimension that doesn't really exist in real life is the, is the ever-increasing power level. Because by now he is just, you know, objectively very much more powerful than than the vast majority of everyone else. So, so it's a uh, it's a little like, you know, it it 
it it can lower the stakes in everything but like the most high level interactions you know he has to be dealing with very powerful people and and foes for the stakes to be you know for there to be any stakes so so it's uh, it's a little you know it's it's very unrealistic that you 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 you, you 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 basically you can't hurt him unless you're at the same power level as him. It's yeah, one of my sort of gripes with the with the three point five like D and D level based system. It's uh, it's yeah. That's a very American fantasy, I think. <laughs> it's an American system, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, but I think it's it's because it's um, uh, you know it's it, it's the like the original Dungeon Dragon, which is like this war game, kind of a you know simulator, and, and you're just getting better and better at fighting, and and the, even the you know very different third edition is still has like that mentality that that it characters are just a collection of, of, of stats that allow them to fight or do magic and uh, and then everything basically that has to do with role playing like the, the person's character is like that's extra to the system like that's that's the you know depends on on how you know how much the players and, and dungeon master are, are, are prepared to like kind of like you know Go away, go around the system to, to make a, a character because there's nothing in the system that demands a personality, really. Yeah, I think fifth edition has taken pains to reward that a little bit more, but it's still, to me and to my style of play, somewhat intractable about the rules and about the, the basis of the game jumping from one combat scenario to another. Yeah, I, I've heard. Yeah, I heard that uh, the fifth edition is more sort of yeah, flexible in this. Or, but um, uh, I think like there is this, there are these new role play systems where when you have you know where you handle you have social social encounters the same way as you would handle like fighting, or where the stakes of getting in a fight at all are so high that that like. Like that, like most people, your characters wouldn't want to, like they wouldn't, you know, take take out their crossbow and shoot someone at the first sign of trouble. You know, they try to deal with the situation maybe more carefully. But yeah, I think it's uh, like some of the people I play with, they like this, like ever building, like the power level constantly increasing. But uh, many of them are have sort of recognized the limits of the system, and, and we have some people that are, you know, basically creating their own role play systems and, and versions that sort of smooth over the, the tedious mechanics of, of you know figuring out which spells you should cast. And so, so we've been sort of doing our own modding to the system. Yeah, I think that's a very natural thing to do, and I think. That's how these systems evolve from different versions. I think they get a lot of player feedback 
mm-hmm. um, or or players who butt head against uh, this the system as as laid out and trying to forge new paths for more creative play or, or for play that works for them. Um, and for a system like Dungeons and Dragons, you know, it has, you know, the critical mass of market share. When people think mm. of role playing, they think of Dungeons and Dragons. But I think more competition is is always going to arise when there's more people who feel constrained by that or want to play in a different way or want to tell different stories, but still want to sit down and kind of a a constructed tabletop setting. Yeah, I think I think I, I like having like some mechanics to guide my character creation and things. But uh, yeah, I think Dungeon Dragon kind of has has too much. It, it kind of gets in the way. At least that's sort of the that's the the view I've come to have. I I used to like really I, I did like get very deep into the system and I, I had uh, like a lot of system mastery although not as much as some some of my fellow players but uh, um, yeah, I think like if I were starting a game now I, I don't think I'd ever pick Dungeon Dragon 3.5 uh, and I, I don't think any of the other players would but uh, but you know we can't really we can't change the mechanics of, the, of a game that's you know been ongoing and, and it, you know it's a fun game nevertheless so yeah you've got this story and you've got this this great character and uh, yeah i think one of the like i've I've talked about this uh like the interaction with the game master but of course like the other players also have a lot of you know impact because uh, some of the um there was actually for a time a lot of the inter-party you know fighting which you know, has um, not not you know fighting, but you know like rivalries and, and and personalities that didn't match and goals that didn't match because it was a very large, you know, group of people and, and and everyone was trying to, you know, motivate them in their own specific ways and and sometimes those motivations just caused you know differences that couldn't be resolved. So I, I, at least you know two times the the group is kind of like splintered um, oh, wow see that's and, that's interesting because i mean yeah that's one of the key assumptions in in these types of role-playing games is we're a party we're just mm. <laughs> you know they the default setting is everyone is plunked into a a tavern at the beginning and yeah well, we're well, i guess we're friends now but yeah to have real consequences consequences for interpersonal differences uh during mm. play that's I that's think, a really interesting uh, way to do it. I like it because uh, I, I often like I read some role play forums and stuff, and and people often had this problem that like inter like fighting like in the party was like the, the cardinal sin of Dungeons and Dragons, and and often it's because you know there's a disruptive player, but uh, but. That was never really the case with us. It was just, you know, the, the characters might have been disruptive, but they, and, and, and possibly, you know, in retrospect, the, the characters have been created in ways that were, you know, mutually exclusive with other characters. But it was never, like, anyone's intention to, like, ruin the game or anything. And, and it just turned out to be a, 
a very interesting, you know, experience. You know, some characters had to leave, not because they died, but because they had to, like, they were kicked out of the group. But, you know, that that's just, like, that's one possible, that, that's how things could happen in real life. And, and so, you know, they just had to make a new one and, and come in. With the, <laughs> the, the, you know, and then the other character, you know, continued to exist in the settings so you could bring him back for you know confrontations and uh, stuff so it was you know interesting though fascinating well, armor thank you for sharing your character um at this point in the episode we should move on to a segment that doesn't have an official name uh so this week i'm going to call it passing out snacks it's uh where i find something that's enlightening and wonderful and pass it on to you the listener so this week's snack for you is a podcast called woodland secrets by Merritt k where she brings on the most funny and fascinating people you can think of to talk about video games or the purgatory of postgraduate studies or where i'm sure you know a little bit about that mm-hmm. <laughs> fashion and beauty or sex work or piccolo from dragon ball z and sour gummy candy I always feel really fired up and inspired after listening every week, and I want to pass that magic along to our listeners. So visit them at woodlandsecrets.co, um, and that podcast is uh, produced by Nick Bravo. Well, uh, thank you so much, Or, for talking with me. Oh, thank you. It's very fun. Um, is there anything you want to uh, uh, plug or or share with people about your your life on the on the internet? Mm. Well, um, there is a uh, kind of a dormant website we have. It's um, uh, it's in Icelandic though. It's uh, limurin.is. That's the I think that's the only thing I have apart from maybe the uh, my uh, my friend does have his like uh, role play system on the internet. Uh, or like a parts of, of if, if you play Dungeon Dragon 3.5, you might find it interesting. It's the it's called the uh, Vankian to Psionics, uh, Psionics to Vankia. Uh, well, well, if you if you if you Google it, you can find it. It's a uh, it's a translation of the of the Vankian magic system in, in Dungeon Dragon 3.5 to a point based system like Psionics. So it's uh, it should be. You know, it's it's more comfortable if you like playing D and D three point five. Cool. I'll include a link in the show notes. Um, well, thank you very much, Omar, for talking with us. Um, it's been fun. Uh, I also want to thank my wife, Chris, for help with recording. You can find her at uh, chrischock.com. And also, big thanks to Chicago Lolly for his help with post production work. He's Uh, offered to step up and help me make a better quality show for you. So I'd appreciate it if you gave him some love at chicago-lolly.bandcamp.com. Check out his tunes. They're really cool. And thanks to Philomela for the use of the song I Am a Fire from the album Sapphire Chamber as the intro and outro to our show. That's all this week, y'all. I don't necessarily believe in karma, but if you do, I want you to go out and earn those critical success rolls. Bye, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.